That's it. We are live on the internet. How's it going, Mick? Doing well. How are you, Eric? Excellent. We had a little bit of uh, technical difficulties, but I think we've we've got it figured out. You know, at least at least good enough for the time being. You know, and, and you can see it afterwards to see what it looks like, which will be okay. exciting. You know. <laughs> so um, I I worked with your wife Sue for uh, a couple years at the National Drowning Prevention Alliance, and you know I really enjoyed working with her there. And I met you a few times uh, at the conferences and you came along. Oh, there's Sue. Hey, Sue. Um, <laughs> so uh, tell me a little bit about your work and what you do. Uh, I'm the senior director of the facilities development department at USA Swimming. Okay. Uh, basically, we help people build new pools. We help people renovate pools. We help people solve pool problems. And then... Sue steps in and along with me, uh, we help people program pools so they're financially sustainable and hopefully customer friendly to the community. So it's a partnership. We both cover each other. We can both do each other's job. But my main thing is the building and the, the physical facility, while her main thing is the programming. Uh, and then we both, of course, have a tremendous interest in the you know, drowning prevention and all of the new initiatives and proven initiatives out there in the USA. Now, when you say you help people build new pools, you're not talking about residential pools, are you? No, uh, that's where I, I do have a residential pool background. Okay. Uh, uh, but with USA Swimming, we, we try to stay in a commercial end of it. So when I say people, I mean cities, park districts, swim club, parent boards, swim coaches themselves, uh, universities, high schools, pretty much any of the larger pools. All of our pool designs have three pools involved. We have a lap pool, competitive pool, recreation pool, in other words, the big pool. Uh, we have then a teaching pool, programming pool, which would be used for learn to swim, adult exercise. And then we also usually have a smaller, warmer pool, uh, that's we can use for therapy, uh, private swim lessons and that kind of thing. So let's give people some context, because, you know, if I was just um, hearing this for the first time, it sounds like USA Swimming is a pool builder, but that's not really the case, right? No, no, we have a we have a syndicate of 70 plus manufacturers that uh, we call professional providers, architects, aquatic engineers, manufacturers. Uh, we work in conjunction with them when we go into a project that needs design. Uh, and then basically after the fact, we're a problem solver. You know, if you have bad air quality indoors, uh, we do do some residential troubleshooting uh, from people that have known us in our previous businesses. You know, you end up with green water for some reason. Uh, it's not unusual that I would get an email saying, hey, Mick, all of a sudden my water turned green, it rained, what's going on? So uh, we do both, but mainly commercial. And no, we're not a pool builder, we're a support system. Since USA Swimming is the largest swimming organization in the country, we have over 460,000 members, uh, 2,800 clubs, about 360,000 swimmers. Um, we have a lot of resources that we can help people with. You know, we're, we're definitely in the assist and help mode uh, up to a certain point. We don't charge for our services. This is one of the commitments USA Swimming made when they started the facilities development department was let's give back. And if we have the expertise, we're doing services anyway, let's, let's share them as much as possible. Yeah, so explain that. What does USA Swimming actually do? What are the services that uh, the organization as a whole provides? We, we're the governing body uh, from the United States Olympic Committee. We're the governing body for swimming in the United States. So our first and foremost job is to run swim meets uh, and to sanction meets and then to also have coaches certified and have our teams registered um, I mentioned we have 2,800 swim clubs. Uh, those are throughout, of course, all 50 states. Uh, we're divided into 59 regional entities. We call them local swim committees. Uh, 
most of the time you would think of them as, as a state okay. uh, until you get out east where you have a very dense population and we couldn't just do the state of New York. So sure. we have to split, split it up into uh, a little bit more reasonable amounts. California has four different local swim committees. Texas has three. But in general, we work through the states uh, for sanctioning meets. Uh, and then we take uh, we make sure our athletes uh, are, number one, safe. Uh, number two, prepared for international travel all the way up through uh, the Olympics next week, we're starting, uh, or this week, I guess we're starting the pan packs, uh, in Japan. Uh, we just finished our national championships in California. And of course it's all heading towards Tokyo, uh, Olympics in 2020. So from little kids swimming local meets all the way up to the Olympics, USA swimming is basically, uh, charged with handling all that, running all that, making sure everything goes right. So what does it mean for a meet to be sanctioned? Uh, meets, that means, number one, uh, it has our officials. We have uh, adults that go through the process to become uh, an official, a stroke judge, turn judge, starter, referee, uh, that you have those in place and that the pool measures properly. Uh, 25 yards or 25 meters or 50 meters. Uh, there's a whole list of things that says you're, it's safe to run a meet, uh, your pool is approved, and you're getting the right people there to make sure that the events and everything are run properly. And then, so if a meet is sanctioned and you swim in a, a sanctioned meet, you know, does that go on like an official record? What is the benefit of that? Yep. yep. You can use those qualify, qualifying times for the, me, the next meet up. Okay. Um, you know, most sports have a qualification procedure. Gotcha. You know, you just, you just can't walk into Augusta and play the masters. Right. You have a qual qualification. It's the same way with certain levels of our meets. Once you get over the local level, the state level, you get up into sectionals or the, what we call the TYR series, or you get into our national meets. Those all have qualifications and you can only make those times at a sanctioned meet. Gotcha. Okay. So these are the, the early um, rungs, we'll call it, you have to overcome before you can get to the, the national competitions the, or the state competitions, the national competitions. And then I imagine yeah. eventually the Olympic team, right? Right. We have an Olympic trials uh, that happens in usually um, late June or early July of 2020. And that's where we'll pick our Olympic team to go to Tokyo. So yeah, that's, that's the big one. That's what everybody goes for. We, USA Swimming works in what we call quads every four okay. years. It's all based around the Olympics. So we're in the Tokyo quad now. Uh, that will end in 2020 at the end of the Tokyo Olympics. And we'll start preparing for 2024, which will be France. And then we'll start preparing after that for 2028, which will be back here in the United States in L.A. I didn't know that. That's really cool. Um, so you have to qualify. I mean, I would imagine you have to qualify to do the Olympic trials, right? Oh yeah. It's a very fast meet. We try to, there's about 1500 swimmers that qualify to go to that meet. It's held in Omaha. At least this time it will be as the last three have been in Omaha, Nebraska. Uh, yeah, it's very, very fast. Uh, only the elite and we still end up getting 60 and 70 swimmers in every event trying to qualify for the top two to be on our Olympic team. Wow. Um, you know, I've never really been involved in competitive sports at that level or any level, honestly, but you know, the, uh, the work that USA swimming does has always been really impressive to me as far as, you know, cultivating talent from a really young age and, you know, supporting swimming, you know, all the way up to the Olympic level. Yeah. We really try and keep it the age group in the, the development stage uh, we encourage all of our young swimmers to do other things, uh, you know, to play the other sports, uh, get a well-rounded, uh, very healthy, active lifestyle. Uh, and then by the time they're usually in junior high or high school, they're looking at maybe, you know, getting down to only one or two sports and, you know, trying to specialize. So, you know, I know you from, you know, my work in, in drowning prevention and through the NDPA, you know, what does USA Swimming do when it comes to, to water safety and drowning prevention? Um, 
we started an initiative uh, in 2005. Uh, it basically got really rolling in 2006 and seven. Uh, it's called Make a Splash. And basically we believe that every child should have the opportunity to learn how to swim. Um, we'd like to see it happen before second and third grade, but sooner is just, just fine. Uh, we, we throw a lot of dollars at this that we have gone out and lobbied our sponsors to donate money so that we can do make a splash grants. Uh, and basically we try to say, if you can't afford to swim, that shouldn't stop you. Uh, we have over a thousand, what we call local partners. And they basically have signed up. Uh, they've sent us their swim curriculums. In other words, how they teach swimming, uh, their little stations and stuff, or badges, or whatever system they use. Uh, they send that to us, or they're part of a national one, like the Y or the Red Cross or the Park District, uh, Starfish, Swim America. Uh, the national ones are automatically approved a uh, curriculum that you've developed that you think is what the way you want to teach swimming all you have to do is send it to us and then we approve you to be a local partner uh, and that way uh, you can now apply for grants uh, we've given out well over five million dollars in grants uh, the last eight years uh, we've taught over four million not personally taught, nor I don't want to don't want to sound like we, like we build pools. We don't teach swimming, but our local partners, uh, we've given them grants so they can give either free or reduced cost lessons uh, to kids out there that are looking to know how to swim. That's amazing. So why did USA Swimming decide this was important? Um, we pretty much paid have been paying attention it's kind of hard to teach somebody to swim fast before you teach them how to swim. Yeah. So learning to swim becomes the entry level into our sport. But even more than that, learning to swim is still a life skill, uh, which is why, you know, you do what you do and we do what we do. Uh, this is something that basically makes kids safe. Uh, we thought that that was important for us to start becoming more active in that. Um, thus, the Make a Splash. Thus, we started USA Swimming Foundation, which is a separate not-for-profit that basically is in charge of uh, Make a Splash and fundraising uh, and the local partner program. So um, we have a lessons finder on the USA Foundation webpage that you can type in your zip code and our local partners will pop right up and you can contact them and they'll basically tell you what what they offer, whether it's free, reduced lessons or what their make a splash um, system is that they offer at the local level. And, you know, you mentioned second and third grade. Do, do those grants and, you know, the kinds of um, curriculums that you guys will accept. Does that include the really young, like the infant swim rescue type stuff, or does it start at the older, everybody? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Basically that's up to the local partner. Yeah, we sure. have local partners that basically there's uh, uh, one of our largest ones right now is Chicago park district is one of our newer ones. Uh, well over 3000 swimmers. Uh, they may use the grant money for transportation. Okay. They may, they may say, hey, we know that you can afford, you know, a $6 or a $9 swim lesson, but we can't get the kids to the pool. And so they'll use their grant dollars on their application. They'll say transportation is our number one thing where someone else may say, look, we can give it to them at half price. We have to pay pool rental. So rather than a $10 lesson, it's a $5 lesson. And then we have some that are, are doing really, really good in the learn to swim business. And they say, hey, we're going to dedicate this amount of free lessons. So the local partner has the flexibility to be able to use the grant money the best way to get kids in the door. But yeah, uh, you know, within a reasonable age, 
of being able to take instruction and understand yes and no, uh, all the way up through, uh, you know, nine and 10 year olds. Some of them, you know, they, they, the train left the station on them and they still don't know how to swim. Sure. Uh, so basically there's no age limit. That's up to the local partner. That's really cool. And I, and I like the local flexibility. That makes a lot of sense. I'm glad that the, uh, you know, even though the USA swimming is obviously, you know, it is part of the U S government, right? No, it's separate. No, it's separate. It's a nonprofit. US, uh, yeah. We're a 501 C three, not for profit. <laughs> a lot of people think our, uh, overseeing, uh, organization, which is United States Olympic committee, the USOC. Sure. That's that, that's a privately funded too. It's not part of the government. The only thing the government did was in 19, uh, in the late seventies, I'm thinking, I want to say 78, uh, they created what was called uh, the sports act. And that's when every sport was charged with coming up and, uh, developing a governing body for that sport that would be responsible to the Olympic movement. And so all 46 sports have a independent governance uh, and that would be our, ver our version would be USA swimming, but we still report to the USOC. So right. but no government, all private. Gotcha. Okay. And, he, I, and I knew that about the USOC, um, but you're right. That is a, it's a popular misconception uh, because it seems so official, I guess is the right word. You yeah. know, you think it's, that, which is kind of cool in a way. Yeah. Well, yeah, it's got its advantages both ways. <laughs> you know, you know, we're not beholding to certain fundraising, uh, and the government can always step in and go, and you're not, you're not following the sports act. Sure. Uh, you're not, you're not doing what's best for the athletes in athlete protection, uh, and in being fair. Uh, but they usually don't usually each sport governs, governs themselves relatively well. Awesome. And so that's where all these kind of U S soccer or U S you know, your U S swimming, uh, et cetera. That's yep. where all these organizations kind of spawned from. Is that, um, yep. U S sports act? Yep. Yep. They were they were told you will do this. It used to be all over the place. AAU played a part in it. A little bitty this here. Another organization played a part in there. And the government said no more because the Olympics is very important. Sure. Uh, both, you know, as far as, uh, you know, the spectators, but also as far as all the athletes, too. And they said, you know, let's get this organized. Uh, let's get this under one umbrella. Uh, and so that's the USOC. And then every other sport we're we're what's known as the medal sport we get more medals than any other sport is that so, true uh, yeah I know that. yeah 33 medals last time wow is that because you just have so many events or are we just really good at swimming we're really good at swimming yeah. <laughs> uh, we have a, we, we also have a very good set we have a club system okay so we don't do the we don't hire the coaches we don't do the coaches uh we basically leave our local clubs in charge of that. And that gives us the freedom uh, for independent coaches to be very creative. And that club system has worked great. Um, so it's kind of like to make a splash, let that local, uh, let them, let them do locally what works best. So how many Olympic events have you gone to? How many have I been to? Yeah. I've been to Olympic trials. I have never been never to been the Olympics. Okay. Well, got, got, I'm work. I'm done with Tokyo now with my part. And I sit on the FINA, which is the overlord of the world swimming. Okay. I'm one of the five people that sit on the facilities committee. Uh, I'm the USA representative and we're already looking at France. Gotcha. So I'm, I'm so far down the road. Um, <laughs> you know, people are going, well, we're going to Tokyo. And I went, Hey, you know, that's ancient history to me. Right. Yeah. You so, built that pool. You know, eight yeah. years ago, probably, right? Yeah. Didn't build it, but we've definitely been involved with the design with, you know, advice here and advice there. That's really cool. Uh, would you want to go? Well, it's a hard question. Uh, yeah. Probably. Yeah. Probably. Yeah. It depends upon where it was, <laughs> you know. Um, would love to go to France. Sure. You know, Absolutely. Nothing against Tokyo, but right, I, would right. love, I would love to go to France. So we'll see. Um you know, I was at L.A. afterwards and, and uh, on the last one uh, and at Atlanta afterwards. So uh, we, we put on a really good show here in the United States. It, it must be cool seeing the, the pool you helped design, you know, on TV getting used, though. Yep. 
And you know what? They all look the same on TV. Right. <laughs> but you can tell, right? I can. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, I know you're a fan of, of an idea of having uh, a safety sheet included about pool fences and gates on, on all the doors that lead out to the pool. Is that right? Yeah. I just think that we need to remind ourselves all the time. Um, having raised three children with Sue, uh, you can't watch them all the time, no matter how good you are. Uh, we, yeah. we raised three kids across uh, literally 60 feet away from an aquatic complex, uh, a commercial three pool facility, 35,000 square feet. And our houses were right across the way from it. Uh, and I will be honest with you, even though our kids learn how to swim uh, about the same time that they started, you know, crawling, uh, they're still never safe. Uh, and every once in a while, when you're even in that kind of controlled atmosphere with professionals around, you turn around and, you know, Missy's not there, you know, where's she at? You know, I, I'm in the pool. Where's she at? I'm worried about the rest of the building usually, sure. but, uh, it's almost impossible to watch a child that with that much uh, vigilance. And so it's not a reminder for the child. It's a reminder for the parent, you know, lock the patio door. If you have a dog door, lock it. If you have a door going to the garage, which connects to the patio, lock it and then put a warning sticker on it. It doesn't have to be obnoxiously large, but it's, but it's a reminder that, this is, I mean, we put warning labels on everything else. Uh, why aren't we doing this on important things around the house? Every time somebody buys a pool, they should get a little stack of six different uh, warning labels that are just the window clings that, you know, they go on and they peel right back off. So, so how big would you imagine it would be? Uh, I'm going to say just about the size of a note card. Okay. Yeah, and just have... Yeah, just just general safety stuff. You know, make sure the door is locked. Make sure the pool fence is in good working watch, order. Watch your child. Watch your child. Yeah. You know, yeah. I mean, that's the main thing. It's not the door's fault. Right. It's 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 the I'm gonna be honest with you. It's the adult's fault when something I done. You know, watch your child. You know, be pool safe. There's all kinds of things that people could do to be creative with this. You know, it should be on the outside of. You know, the fences, it should be on the pool ladders, it should be on pool covers, it should be on anything that is a barrier that helps us keep children safe as a reminder to swim parents. You know, one thing we talk about when we do different clinics and presentations uh, are grandparents. Grandparents, uh, about 10% of our children's drownings are at grandparents' house, houses. Grandparents raised the children. They did a marvelous job, obviously. The children grew up, they had kids of their own, and the parent and the grandparents have a pool. Right. And they dropped the kids, the grandkids off to the parents thinking, well, I was raised there. Well guess what? The grandparents got a you know, they got out of practice of watching kids. And uh ten percent of our drownings are at grandparents' houses. So those kind of stickers, you know, remind them. It should they should be free. If if I buy a pool from ABC company I should be able basically, you know, to say, you know, I'd like to have another set of stickers sure. here for grandparents' yeah. house. Uh, because, I mean, that would destroy a family, as you know. Uh, yeah. And the grand, yeah, it changes everybody's lives, so we don't need that. So Yeah, I, I've, I've talked to way, way too many families who have gone through that. Yeah, with Families United and all the other things, as good a job as they're doing, you know, they'll never, ever, ever go back to the point of before the tragedy happened. Mm -hmm. uh, and, you know, that's a shame. I know recently there was a, a video that got um, passed around on the internet about that above ground pool with the ladder. Mm-hmm. Right. And we had started talking about that a long time before that. Uh, the ladders, first of all, I don't think any pool, I don't care whether it is one of the big box Mart stores uh, that sell the little cheapy uh, four-foot pools that look like they're about ready to fall down at any minute. Uh, those pools should not be allowed to sell a ladder that doesn't have a safety guard for the steps. Uh, those safety guards need to pass 
inspection because some of them are not really that good. As you saw with that video that went around with, you know, the little boy that had chimpanzee toes, you know, and he can still climb up the darn thing. Right. But uh, this is secondary, you know, for, you know, primary locking the doors from the house, then pool fencing around the pool. And then another challenge for the child that's adventurous uh, is the ladder has to have a way that the child cannot climb the exterior part of the steps. Right. Uh, I think we definitely need to look at some of the science behind this, some of the engineering. I think it needs to be approved. But I think the main thing is we can't sell the other ladders anymore. You know, I, would, I would say it's something like the, uh, the stairway gate, the safety gate you see in houses. You know, you got the childproof gates. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when you remember when your kid was, you know, two years old and you had the, the gate for the stairs that you had to unlatch, it's kind of a pain. Um, mm-hmm. You know, something like that for ladders, I think, would, would go a long way, you know. Yeah, and they, they make they make covers that just literally cover the steps. Sure. Um, I think there's a lot of different things that could be done to be looked at and saying this is the best. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's up to the ladder manufacturers, but we need to stop making the junk ladders. Uh, and that, you know, we've had just literally hundreds and hundreds of, uh, of people, uh, not people, children, uh, drown. Uh, we started tracking this. Uh, about 450 children drowned already in the last eight years. Uh, and this is uh, something that shouldn't be allowed. We can't build a house now without smoke detectors. It's a law. Right. Uh, you simply can't do it. So we can't put a ladder in a pool without it being a safety ladder. So it's just in these, we need to change. And my job is not, my job is to hopefully motivate change I'm sorry, I don't have the the time to lobby for the change. Uh, you know, I can only recommend, uh, and we've, you know, looked at about four different points with the fences and the ladders and the locks that uh, we feel like we can do a better job at. So, I mean, that's two of them. What are the, the other two that you think are? Um, I basically think that, uh, well, we got the fence, uh, life jackets. Life jackets. Uh, life jackets. Basically, uh, it doesn't need to be a recommendation. Uh, it needs to be a law. You have to have a uh, CG, uh, Coast Guard approved life jacket if you're on the water in a, in a vessel. I don't care whether you're on a paddle boat, uh, kayak, which are basically, you know, death vehicles. I cannot tell you how many kayak and canoe deaths there are. Uh, people, you know, I, I've been a swimmer all my life. I wouldn't go in it without, without a life jacket on. Right. But I don't know. It just, there has to be a law. Almost every lake and recreational part of a river has somebody from the forest service or the parks department who's in charge of monitoring that area, you know, start handing out fines. Yeah. It's gotta be voted on, but uh, come on. Uh, literally thousands. I can't track how many people have died because they didn't have life jackets on. What we track is when our news releases that we track from the 20 different sources, when they mention a life jacket was not worn. Okay. Uh, sometimes it's not really good reporting and they don't mention it. I can't assume, but I know that there's literally thousands and thousands and thousands of lives that could have been saved uh, if somebody would have had a life jacket. And I can only think of, in the last eight years, I can only think of six instances where a person drowned with a life jacket on. And it usually had to do with whitewater rafting, and it usually had to do with getting caught in branches and brush. Uh, and I don't think it would have made a difference. Life jacket didn't cause it. Uh, they drowned despite of the life jacket. Right. Okay. And I think um, a couple of cases of hypothermia, maybe as well. But yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Then, then it doesn't make a difference. Right. You know? Absolutely. So uh, I, I, was, I thought that life jackets were a law. I know on boats for sure. No kids. So kids sometimes. Under 18. Other, t- uh, yeah. other times. Other states. It's a state. It's not a federally. Okay. Uh, I, I think in Florida, at least, you know, if you're if you're a kid on a boat, you have to have it on. Um, yeah. But you, you have to have it, you know, on the boat, you know. 
otherwise, which I always thought that was silly. If you have the life jacket on the boat, you yeah. know, that's not doing much if you get an accident or, you know, if someone hits you or, you know, no one expects to fall in the water. So the idea I'm going to put the life jacket on real quick before I, you know, yeah, go overboard is kind of ridiculous. Yeah. yeah um, like uh, I, Minnesota has 12 years and under and it's highly recommended for the adult. You know, this becomes political. Somebody's got a boat. I want to go out and just sit and talk. I don't want a life jacket on. I think life jacket design needs to be looked at too. Uh, They need to be light. They need to be lighter. We have all this, the new polymer materials. Uh, You know, are we going to call a ski belt a life jacket? Would it help? Of course it would help. You know, let's get, let's get them more comfortable where they don't rub under your arms. You don't feel like the Michelin tire man when you put them on. You know, let's start looking at that design, too, so everybody's comfortable with them. Let's let's move it forward. They look the same in most part. They look the same the last 20 years. Uh, Let's make them more convenient. Uh, There's no such thing as having them in the boat. It's on the person. Uh, You know, and that's the rule. When you go to put a boat in, there have been hundreds of deaths from people taking their life jackets off. Uh, owning a personal watercraft, uh, and they fall in, either putting the boat in or getting the boat out. And they didn't have a life jacket on yet. Uh, really? If you can't swim? I don't, I, I, I don't understand that concept, but obviously it's there. So the, the drownings that you track, is that tracked by USA Swimming? Is that by you personally? Uh, how does that work? It's by me personally. Wow. I, I really, I would love to say it's done by a whole bunch of different people. But there's an element of confidence. I want to make sure nothing's missed. This is a very tedious task this time of year. Uh, it takes about three hours a day this time of year. Wow. It takes, it takes about an hour a day the rest of the year. Because this is our uh, July. We just, we just got out of our worst month. You know, July is the, you know, that's the apex of drowning. Uh, August, uh, a little bit better, and then September. And then when we get to the October and uh, the colder months, uh, there's only five and six a day. Right now we're doing 40, you know, 30 and 40 a day. Uh, and when we track drownings, we need to know more than just, hey, he drowned or they drowned. Uh, we track like 15 different things. I'm not trying to capture every drowning. Uh, I know we're not because if it's not reported, uh, it's, we're just not going to get it. But what we're trying to do is establish trends. And right now we're in our 10th year of this. And I think we got a pretty good handle on some trends and where to focus some of our drowning prevention efforts. So uh, you know, we track the state, we track the person's age uh, divided into four categories, four years and under, five years through 12 teenager and adult, uh, male or female. We do track two ethnic groups, which is African-American and Hispanic, uh, because that's where some of our Make a Splash initiatives are focused on, not entirely, but it's a part of it. Uh, So we need to know the percentages and is that going up or down? Uh, We need to know the body of water. Uh, Is it a lake, river, pond, ocean, pool, uh, commercial pool, home pool, motel pool, apartment pool? Uh, and then there's some other things like the grandparents, uh, what we call emotional response, which means uh, my dog fell in the water and I thought I would go save him and I forgot I can't swim or, or a child. And I just I tried and we both drowned. Uh, rip currents, um, hot, all kinds of things we track and then we try to convert that into percentages when we look at some of the total numbers. So we have to read every article is what that amounts to. And we usually have to visit an article about three times during a two month period because you it's very unusual if somebody reports the name of the drowning victim on the first part of their report because their, uh, their relatives uh, haven't been notified. And so we have to go back and go back and go back uh, but we think it's important because these, these trends have to be able to be intelligently talked about. So, so you're using like a Google news alert type type deal and you're, we've got 20, we have, we have 20 different things we use. 
okay. we yes we use Google, we use Talkwalker, we use Mention, we use both pay fors and not and non pay for uh, Associated Press. Uh, we actually subscribe to over a hundred local uh, web newspapers. Wow! And so uh, these are all set up so that we get. If you thought, if you think Google Alerts, they all come in that way, not through Google, but they all come in to our computer and we start sorting them. So when I get up in the morning at four o'clock, uh, I've got probably 15 uh, drownings that I need to review that didn't necessarily happen overnight, but they got reported and I got my alerts within a 24 hour period. Uh, and then we monitor them five times a day. Um, I go to that that part of that program and go on what's new and let's get it recorded and it's added in the spreadsheet. And that spreadsheet basically is up to date uh, about every three hours. Uh, and then Sue sends it out to the people that have signed up uh, for our email posts, which are two different spreadsheets. Uh, that comes out at the first of every month and that's the history of the drowning. Uh, and gives you a lot of that other information we talked about that uh, I said that they're part of the trends and different things we track. What made you decide to start doing that? I mean, that is a phenomenal workload. I mean, the, the effort you're putting in is amazing, by the way, and it's so important. Um, you know, what made you decide this is something you wanted to do? People were asking us questions that I could no longer answer as if I was in the private sector. I mean, we spent 35 years owning our own swim schools, uh, health clubs, anything to do with aquatics, including uh, supplier of, you know, both pools, chemicals and equipment. And I could give them an answer that was adequate and would would, you know, give them what I thought was the information they needed. When you represent USA Swimming, that's not good enough. When you represent a national governing body, you have to be as accurate as possible. And I found, found myself going like, well, I don't know. You know, well, how many, you know, well, we've heard that. We kept seeing other stats reported too from other organizations that I kind of like a little bit suspicious of. Um, and I said, you know, I, how accurate are those? And so basically uh, we said, well, there's, I guess there's only one way that we can uh, know. And that's basically uh, start tracking it. And so th the hardest thing to do was the first three months to figure out what you're going to track and how you're going to how you're going to display the data. Sure. That only changed that only changed about twenty times. <laughs> uh, but uh, we, we we wanted to make sure information we gave was accurate. And we had people like I was on. Uh, this summer already, we've been on to three or four different local or state or local major city uh, news sources because they said, we heard this. Is this true? We found, we knew you tracked it. And I said, we're not going to talk true or false. We're going to say, here's the numbers we have collected. So, you know, you can make a more intelligent decision on how you're going to report it. Um, so uh, we use it for our make a splash. Uh, but why we started it is just because we've always been a resource for information about any kind of aquatic programming. And we just wanted to be uh, as accurate as possible and help us anyway. And then of course you meet, uh, you see these other organizations that start up, National Drowning Prevention Alliance. Uh, you see great guys like you out there, you know, with the pool fencing companies, uh, you see the gate companies, uh, you meet people from Family United. And I guess I ask myself, why wouldn't I do it? You know, when I go to those kind of places, I say, wow, you know, these are the kind of people that are going to use this information and move these initiatives or efforts forward. So, uh, yeah, I don't care how. What? Oh, and then, of course, I'm talking with Sue. Uh, basically, um, you know, every four years, the CDC has come out, uh, but we need up to date information. I can't wait four years. Right. Yeah. I mean, that was so, my next question. Isn't this government, I mean, isn't this information being tracked by some kind of, you know, government body or local officials, but, um, I mean, every four years that's, you're right. That's, that's forever, you know? Yeah. You know, 
you know, I compare it to, you know, computer technology. Do I really want to be doing on my computer what I was doing in 2014 and using that as the basis for fact? Right. So, no, I mean, I'm not trying to compete with them. I wish there were 100 people doing what I was doing. Right. You know, and I know there are other people starting off and they go, do you mind? I go, why would I mind? Sure. You know, we're not in competition. We don't charge for this. Well, it usually gets down the line is that the other people that are trying to start it uh, are starting it, you know, for maybe more than one reason. And they find out they can't do it for free where USA Swimming has made that commitment. So, uh, you know, so, we're, so, we're so, going to so, keep doing what we're doing. So do they help sponsor your effort then? Well, they pay my salary. Well, that works. Okay. Yeah. And that's, yeah, that's part of you what know. you do. Yeah. Yeah. It's part of what I do. It's part of my job description that I've wrote since I'm senior director. I'm very fortunate to be able to write different projects in uh, that we feel are important. And yes, USA Swimming thinks that children's swimming is important. Uh, and they've allowed us and Sue and I to say, yes, this is one of those important things that we feel like we can do. So uh, I got you know, the fourth it, one yet here in the back. Can I talk about it just for a second? Yeah, please go ahead. Because this is what's special to me. Um, I am, I've always wondered, even back when we were in private business, because we started our swim schools in 1972. Uh, to me, that's like yesterday to other people, somehow it's ancient history. But when a child goes to kindergarten or goes into the first grade, right. one of the first things the parent has to take with them is proof that they have been vaccinated. Right. Okay. Vaccine is a cure for these identified diseases. Sure. Learning to swim is a cure for drowning in many cases. Why aren't we requiring that by the time, a, a, and I, I don't want to get into the actual grade, since we've said second or third grade, why aren't we requiring that for a child to go to the fourth grade that they have taken a swimming competency test and have a an online certificate that says, I can't go to fourth grade until I've done this. And I don't wanna hear you can't afford it because there are organizations out there that have stepped forward and making sure that we're not losing these people through the cracks, all right? We're just not doing it. Uh, and if we can do this with vaccines when we didn't have computers. Why can't we do it with learning to swim now that we have computers and databases? I, and it's going to have to be a state law. It's going to have to be federally mandated somehow, some way. Uh, again, my job is to motivate, not to create. But I think we're really missing the boat on this. And I know some states are much better at this than others. Uh, some states like Florida are very, very far ahead of the curve but they can still get better also. But why aren't we mandating this? It's a life skill. 70% of the earth is water. We're gonna be around water our entire lives. And the only way I can stop the 63% of adults that drown, because they're the most, adults drown more than children as far as percentage goes, it's a 20 year fix. I can't stop adults from drowning until I teach children to swim. And then 20 years later, we start making advances towards improving the adult situation. And I guess I can only ask why, why haven't, why aren't we doing this? It's a magnanimous tax, tax so is polio, so is the salt vaccine. It, it was a huge task and we're much more prepared for doing that right now. We need it, we need some leaders, some force, some lobbyists. I mean, we go back and talk about the Virginia Graham Baker Act, which had to do with entrapment in a hot tub, which was not a very, very, it's not common at all but it got through because it was a senator's granddaughter. Right. You know, I don't want to wait until, uh, you know, a governor or a president's child dies. We need to get some, we need to get some lobbying and political backing to saying this important. And if you don't think 22,000 people trackable drowning over the last nine years is, is important. Come on. It's a second it's the second most uh, most prevalent cause uh, cause of death in children. 
uh, is drowning. So uh, I think this is the most important thing of anything is, you know, let us do the barriers. Let us do the life jackets. Let us do, you know, the fences and ladders. But let's teach kids how to swim. Uh, And I just think that's something we're not doing as great a job as, as what we could be. And I'm as I'm as guilty as everybody because I'm not too sure where that first step comes. You know, I've never you know, I've heard a lot of people say that swimming lessons should be you know, required, but I've never heard anybody uh, put it into a system like you have uh, right there. I think that's that's a really interesting way of compelling people to make sure their kids get swim lessons. Yeah. You know, and I don't care where they're coming from, the YMCA, where they're coming from, private swim, because we have we have swim schools popping up all over the country, sure. uh, franchises now. Uh, we have park districts that teach all summer long. We have school systems. We've got the JCCAs. We've got all these people teaching. Give us a certificate. The person in that school takes the certificate, enters it into the national database. Okay, and they can go to the fourth grade. And they say, well, I can't. I can't go to the fourth grade. Well, this shouldn't be a surprise because we've been talking about it since kindergarten. Right. And if you can't afford it, tell us, let's get you on a list. Don't tell me in July that you, you can't go in August to fourth grade. All right. Let's get this problem solved. If you can't afford it, let's get you on the list and let's get you taught. It can be done. Yeah. I mean, it makes sense. You know, and, and you're right. If we, if we did it for this generation, you know, let's say, you know, 2020, it begins. Um, I think you'd be right that in the next, you know, 15, 20 years, you'd see, see the numbers go down. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and you would know better than most with, with the numbers that you're, you know, c- collecting. Um, so, you know, the thought I had, have you ever thought about taking the, the spreadsheet and putting it, cause you said it's up to date every three hours. Um, yeah. Have you ever th- thought about putting it online as like a Google doc or something that people could, could access in real time in real time or or no real time no because i have to go back it takes me sometimes it it takes me three weeks to get people's names right i've had times that somebody uh, with names that they said they drown and then three weeks later i see that they were recovering in the hospital oh wow you know and i don't want that to ever happen sure and so that's sort of like saying we'll send it to you once a month but it, it's more than just that that certain minute when I get a, a, a notification, uh, like we said earlier, it basically has more of research to do than just that. So about the only thing I feel really comfortable with is once a month um, doing that. Uh, and then you but make sure the, the once a month version is, you know, up to date, you know, is finalized yeah. essentially. Yeah. You know, by that time, I'm doing. We do a lot of work before uh, we send out that monthly. There's edits. Uh, actually, that's pretty much all we do the day before is edit it, make sure there are no blaring mistakes. Uh, probably the only mistake that we, you know, can could and do make maybe a duplication. Sure. Uh, and we try to catch those. Uh, I don't think anybody's perfect when you handle this uh, amount of information. But, uh, yeah, this morning when I got up, um, we basically, I'm looking at that spreadsheet now. Um, it's uh, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13. I had 13 overnight. Wow. Of which... Uh, Ages are 57, unknown, 21, 5, 5, 4, 6, 7, 46, 20, 64, 3, and 54. Jeez. Okay. And so, and the, the day I've, since I've been talking to you, I have 12 more alerts wow. that I'll, uh, I'll do, you know, here in an hour after we hang up, uh, I'll bring that up to date too. And so this is, I say, not my favorite time of year by any means, but it is the most important time of year. How does that weigh on you personally, emotionally? Uh, you get ticked off. Uh, I mean, it has, you, it has to have an impact, the, right? You know, after, I think there's two ways, you know, just, you know, I always got to be careful what I say in public. 
But basically, sometimes you look at it as a Darwinistic approach for some of these adults. Sure. You know, really, you're in a paddle boat. You can't swim. You got two six packs of beer. You're out. You stole the paddle boat. You fell out of the boat and you drowned. You know, it's hard to have any sympathy, especially when I don't know the person. Right. Uh, And then I turn around and I look at, you know, we have three of them in Colorado Springs, our city. That happened yesterday at an apartment pool. We're not even sure how old the kids. We know they're all under six years old. We know one's in critical condition and two are in very serious condition. I will tell you, I have never seen a critical condition survive. Yeah. Okay. Very serious. I don't know. 10%. And yeah, it weighs on you. It does. Uh, You know, we just had, uh, you know, the Olympic skier. I'm not mentioning names, but just lost his 19 month old daughter. That's been devastating. They're moving forward to try to do more drowning prevention. Well, we need to get drowning prevention before it happens. Right. Okay. We have a whole group of family united that finally did that. And honest to God, they didn't know about it before. They never really thought about it. Yeah. You know? And so, yeah, I have, yeah, it does. I have to put it away. I feel bad when I'm sitting at the computer. Um, it, it's, it hasn't got any better over the last 10 years. Uh, maybe a little, uh, but it still has an impact. And then you got to get on with daily life and saying, God, you know, what can I do to help the people out there that this hasn't happened to or affected yet? So, yeah, it does. It, you know, I guess, you know, morticians do the same thing. <laughs> Obituary right. writers do the same thing. You know, they handle tragedy and death and then they get on with their life and then they go back to it and you get used to going back and forth. But it still means a lot to you. It still affects you. Sure. I mean, especially knowing that, you know, a lot of these, you know, especially, I mean, you read off just now, you know, really young ages and there's mm-hmm. a pretty good chance that those could have been prevented, you know? Oh, yeah. Yeah, they were an apartment pool where kids pushed each other in. There was no adult supervision because it has a sign up there. This pool has no lifeguards. Right. You know, why doesn't say this pool has no lifeguards, but adult supervision is required? Yeah. Okay. Water washers. And I don't mean an adult that can't swim because that goes back and then I'm tracking, uh, you know, uh, emotional response type things. So now I have three kids and an adult. But you know, common sense has to start prevailing. We have to start getting this out. We do a really, really good job of preaching to the choir. You know, we have conferences that are definitely talking to the people that it's been affected to. They're sharing information. It's emotional support. It's needed. But I don't think we're getting uh, the word out like they did with the seatbelt laws. Uh, like they did with lung cancer and smoking, uh, like they've done with so many other things. I don't think we've reached that stage yet of getting it in front of enough people. You know, you're, you're hundred percent right. And I think about that with the stuff that I do when I do a Facebook post and all the comments are people in, in our community, you know, patting themselves on the back or agreeing or whatever it is. Um, I don't consider that post a success. It's when I, reach people who disagree, who, who want to argue with me, who, you know, say they don't need a pool fence or layers of protection because they always watch their kid. Then I okay. go, all right, now I reached an audience that's outside the bubble. Right. Right. Um, and, and you those may just say you're drowning with that person because right. those are Absolutely. people that are going to have one. Exactly. So, you, you know, know why, those, why not? Okay. I'll go back to pool fences. Cause you do such a good job at that. And you basically have donated a lot of personal time to, to these initiatives. Uh, other than the little uh, eight inch deep plastic four foot pools that you buy at the big box mart stores. Right. Why can you buy a pool before you buy a pool fence? I can't buy a gun before I have a firearms card. Sure. Why, if I'm going to go buy a pool that is going to be 36 inches deep or more, I should show that I've already purchased a pool fence and that is installed it should be permitted. And then the pool goes inside that fence. Uh, yeah. we, we got, we got it backwards again. Uh, and I know it's lobbying and it's manufacturer bias sometimes, but you know, right is right. These people, I watch them go out of, I watch them go in line at the checkout line and they got 
you know, ABC pool in a box. Right. And they have no idea what they're doing. You know, well, we're going to put it up and it's because it's hot. You know, really, are you prepared to put this thing up? So I just think, again, we we need a strict and I know it's the United States of America and we have all these amendment rights. And we're free to kill ourselves. Uh, but sooner or later, when you're talking about not yourself, but you're talking about your children and neighborhood children, I think there has to be a line drawn. We, we, we need to get a better system. I agree. And, you know, there are laws in place for, you know, in-ground pools uh, in some, some states or maybe even above-ground pools in, in other states. But, you know, the, those, yeah, the, the pools you buy from the store, like you're talking about, you know, there's really no regulation on, you know. And those are the most common for grounding. Yeah. You know, so, you know, out of, out of the it, pools, when I look at our stats and I look at the pool drownings, uh, which are basically uh, 4,798 pool drownings in the last nine plus years, about 21.5% of them are what we would call pools. But if you take that 21.5%, over 90% of those are residential above ground pools. Above ground pools? Uh huh. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So it's just like they're they're death traps. So and that's why then you revert back to where we started this conversation. You revert back to the stickers on the doors, the latches, the locks, the pool fence and the safety ladder, uh, because that's who we're guarding against are those people that are inexperienced. They're first time pool owners and have no idea what they're doing. Are there any stats or trends that you found surprising or that you, you know, um, challenged an idea that you, you thought you had? I was surprised that uh, when we started tracking this, 82% of the drownings are male. I shouldn't yeah. be surprised because we're risk takers. Right. We're, we're definitely lower on the intelligence level than females. <laughs> uh, and so, but really 82%. Um, and then I was again surprised that sixty-two and a half percent are adults, twelve uh, percent are teens, and twenty-five percent are children. I think when we put the actual numbers to those, it was like, whoa! Uh, now I now I see that this is defined. Uh, I was also surprised that the safest body of water in the United States is a water park. Really? I mean, I guess yeah. that kind of makes sense, but it does with guards. Right. Uh, they, they do their job. There have only been 44 recorded drownings in nine and a half years. And I'm scared to death when I take my grandkids. Right. Because it's chaos. Water park. Yeah, it's chaos. Yeah. And I can't tell where they're at with the tube and who's falling out, who meant to fall out, who's doing this. I don't go to them right. because all I'm doing is lifeguarding. Sure. And I'm doing what I did all the way through, you know, high school and college. And I said, I don't need that kind of trauma. Right. You know, and so but they are they are safe. Wow. It was like, wow, you know, that's a lot. That's with all the water parks we have and all of these crazy rides we have and the wave pools and the lazy rivers unmonitored to people. Nobody can see anybody half the time. Uh, they do a pretty good job. You know, you know and that might be because because it looks dangerous. Right. You know, it yeah. looks like a place where people would drown. So they've taken the the proper precautions and it's a company who they don't want to be held liable. So there's there's that yep. motivation, too. Right. Yep. Um, so. So, I mean, it kind of makes sense that they uh, they'd be safe. But, you know, and it just goes to show that the the things that look dangerous, like a water park, uh, aren't. So it's the it's the backyard pool that's by itself and it looks mm -hmm. peaceful and calm. That's the that's the thing you got to worry about. You know? mm -hmm. You're absolutely right. We, we, I know there's some people out there like us, like you, uh, like other members of different organizations that are really trying to bring attention to this and focus on it. <laughs> but we're there's not enough of us. <laughs> of course, I was but, talking uh, to a pediatrician yesterday who um, her her daughter drowned uh, a few months ago. And, you know, she thought, you know, if anybody should have known, she, she should have known. And, you know, she couldn't believe how little she knew about pool safety. 
And mm-hmm. she even said she told her patients, you know, be careful around water, but she didn't stress it, you know, the, the way she thought it should, the way now she thinks it should be stressed. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure, you know, sure her name's on my list. It is, you know, you know um, I don't want, you know, and that's like, see, that's what I couldn't do. You know, I can record this, you know, remote involvement. Right. But that's why I have a hard time. Uh, you know, I know Sue does too. When we go to the, NDPA National Convention, and actually, the new the new ones there, uh, it's hard, you know, because yeah. you know they blame themselves, uh, and you know that it could have been prevented, and it's just that's it's a it's a tough week, yeah. All of a sudden, you have a face to put with the name, and the circumstance, and that's not a fun thing to do. You know, I've said it before, and I'm sure Sue feels the same. And I think you may have been in that room as well. You know, one of the um, more powerful things that I've done is when I was on the board of the NDPA each year, Families United invites the board of directors up into their suite and they do the a little reception area and they, they go around the room and each one mm-hmm. tells a story. And, mm-hmm. you know, if that doesn't, you know, make you want to work for water safety, um, I mean, it's, it's hard to get through, but you know, you know at, at, the, at the other end of that, you know, if that doesn't make you leave wanting to do something, I, I don't know what will, you know. Yeah, and they did a good job last year um, in uh, uh, Tampa because outside of the exhibit hall, each member of Family United purchased a uh, one of those large pop-ups and the, the child's picture and the story of what happened is right there in front of you in print. Wow. Uh, and every time I would go out for some reason or walk down the hallway, I couldn't help but stop and read. I read every single one of them eventually. Sure. Uh, it's just like, wow. You know, and they all have some things in common, and they also all have some things that were unique to that incident. So uh, that's another thing they've done. Uh, to get the word out. And I think that was just a phenomenal move on their part. Yeah. It's just like you said, unfortunately it's preaching to the choir, right? It's great that it affected you, but you were already, you know, you already had skin in the game, right? You know, we need, uh, we need to have that impact that you're talking about to people who are outside the water safety community. Yeah. And our firemen's do a good job. The police department do a good job at their health fair. I've gone to some guns and road. I I love it. They call them guns and hoses. Uh, basically they do a good job of getting it out. Uh, but the kind of people that are taking the time to go through those things, uh, they're in the the vast, vast minority. Uh, we're not getting it to the masses. Um, you know, uh, and again, I wish I'm the marketing is not my specialty. Uh, so, uh, we just got to keep getting better. You know, it's that simple, everything we do, but this is, one thing I feel is extremely important. We got to get better at it. So, you know, before we wrap up, is there anything else you want to let people know about? Uh, no, just that if they want to be on a uh, the mailing, all they have to do is email uh, s nelson at usaswimming.org. Uh, that's s nelson at usaswimming.org. Ask to be on the monthly mailing for the drowning spreadsheets. Uh, she'll add you to that list. You know, uh, we've got, I'm sure, probably close to, you know, 50 or 60 people on there now. Uh, more? 100? 150? I just got a request for 14 more. <laughs> okay, we just got a request today for 14 more. There you go. You know, uh, we only have to type it once. Right. And then, then there's no effort. So, you know, let's make it 10,000. Sure. You know, and... and I believe in the, you know, that uh, six degrees of separation. I believe that if that person is interested and they get it to two more people and they get it then to, you know, uh, four more people, eight, 16, 32, 64, eventually it may get to the right place to the right time. And, you know, something really important comes out of it. Yeah. I mean, I get it. I get it every month. I look at it, you know, I really appreciate having it as a resource. Uh, I think anybody who's kind of in this space um, should probably have access to it. You know, I think that's, it's really important. You don't put it up on a website somewhere for people to, to get to. No, no, we don't. 
you know, they're more than welcome to do it on their own if they want to, to various places, but we don't have, our website is so full of things right. that I don't know how they would even find, I can't find half my stuff. Uh, you know, and so it's just, I don't think we're at that level with our website uh, or the foundation website to actually do it. We're still, you know, I know we're stuck, you know, you know, five years behind with email and stuff, but uh, it is, it's, it's not a, it's not a pay for service. It's not a subscription. They're more than welcome to use these for anything they want to. We have a lot of our people that are looking at building new pools, use these in their presentation. Sure. You know, why do we want to build a pool? Well, we don't need a pool for the kids to swim fast because I don't, uh, you know, I don't really care about that. Why do you care about drownings? Right. You know, do you care about this type of thing? Oh, that's the other thing that I was really surprised after, uh, you know, collecting, you know, interaction with Sue and her programming type things. You know, it's an approximation. I haven't got, you know, decimals behind the percentage, but over half the adults in this country don't know how to swim. Wow. And I will tell you, if you take the half that do know how to swim, about 20% of them are safe. Yeah. Because no one's ever defined what it is to know how to swim. Right. We do it in some of our presentations, but there's no set thing. It's like you have high blood pressure at this. You have high cholesterol at this. You know how to swim at, oh, I don't know. Yeah. Okay. There's no bar. Yeah. Yeah. And so, but we do know that, you know, for sure half of them, are in peril. If they fell in the water, they most likely they're going to be a goner. And that's an amazing statistic for supposedly, you know, a highly educated and, uh, and informed society. That's to me is amazing. So that's another thing, but we'll go back to that, making sure every kid going into fourth grade knows how to swim. We can fix that. Eventually. Absolutely. And I think that's a great idea. And um, I think, you know, with your permission, I might start putting your reports up on our website. I think that, you know, I think it would be nice if it was up somewhere that people could get to, you know. But I we, have no problems with that at all. I would perfect. just love to see every single person read something about it and go, oh, I didn't know that. And, oh, this is important. I need to tell somebody. Absolutely. And, well, Mick, I mean, I uh, I try not to engage in too much hyperbole. Let me make this stop ringing. I don't know if you can hear it, but uh, <laughs> one second. Uh, that's somebody who wants bullfights. But um, the work you're doing. Yeah, yeah one exactly. less rounding for you too. <laughs> yeah. Someone close. Uh, the work you guys are doing, um, the, you personally, you and Sue, and you know, compiling this report is uh, is is really phenomenal. I mean. Like I said, I try not to exaggerate too much. And, and I mean that, I mean, it's just, uh, you know, the, the amount of effort that you've put into it and, you know, obviously the passion you have for it, it's, uh, it's important. It's, it's necessary. There's no one else doing it quite like you're doing it. Um, and if you weren't, I don't know who would, you know, uh, but yeah, the, the work you're doing is amazing. And, you know, I'm, I'm glad that you guys are doing it and I hope you keep doing it for a long, long time because it's, it's really, it's, it's really important. I do it as long as we can. It's yeah. a labor of love and a labor of fear, right? You know, both ways. So, uh, yeah, we're going to, we'll keep it up and uh, hopefully someday somebody will step forward and go, you know, we'd love to see, uh, someone else take it over <laughs> when I retire, when I retire, I'd like not to spend three hours a day doing this. <laughs> yeah. I don't blame you. <laughs> okay. But you've been doing great work, Mick, and we, we appreciate it. Well, thank you. And you need to go sell that pool fence because that may be the important, most important thing happening this morning. <laughs> All right. Thanks, Mick. Have a great day. You too. Bye now. Bye, everyone.